It is July. I don't know what your July has been like. This past week for me was uh, quite a whirlwind. It's been a lot of fun. Last week, right now, I was in Wisconsin. Our gang was up there for Omega High Schoolers. We had a great time together. It was, it was fun to be with them. I got to tell you, you know, this group right down here, that we have the best high schoolers. I'm telling you why. If, you, if you're a parent of one of these high schoolers, you need to be really, really proud of them. And as a church, we need to be proud of them as well. It was fun to watch them in action with other kids. Just, I mean, our kids, you can tell the difference. We have great, great students. So we had a fun time together. Uh, the one difference that night, I guess there were two. On a normal Sunday morning, I kind of mix in with the age around here. Uh, at that particular group, I was the oldest person by about three times. I mean, it was kind of crazy. And uh, we do have air conditioning. They did not. And so, I mean, I'm not kidding. It was somewhere between 87 and 92 in that room. Don Yost was sweating, but he sweats when it's 40, so it doesn't really matter. But we were just kind of dripping wet, having a good time, and it was, it was really a blast being with them. Then you go to this last Friday night gathering in here for this time of worship, singing several songs together, some new ones, things that we were able to bring in that we'll be bringing to our Sunday morning worship that were just really, really powerful. And then midweek, we got a chance to meet with our builder once again to refine the plans just a, a little bit further. Believe it or not, we are just a few weeks away from starting to see big machines come and start move dirt around and we're told that by thanksgiving we will have all the extra parking out there so we can have big snows this winter it's okay we have somewhere to put the snow for a change and still be able to park here so just a really really good week i hope your week was good as well uh, we're continuing in this uh, summer learning experience we've had uh, of looking at the idea of aha, the wake-up that God gives us sometimes, that moment in which we realize we're in a place we shouldn't be, we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, and, and we do it in large part because, you know, we start in the home of a very good father. Our father is good, his home is good. In fact, the Bible describes him and his home as very good. And somewhere along the way we say, good's nice, but I want better. I want something more. That itch in our soul begins to need a scratching. And we find ourselves running away on the search for something better. And as we make that search for better, uh, John Beaker told us last week, we find ourselves in a distant country. A distant country that at first seems like a really great place, a new adventure, it's a change, it's different from the norm, it seems fresh, and we seem to be enjoying it. But somewhere along the way, we realize that the distant country is a disaster. It is not all we had hoped it would be. And that really leads us to today and the beginning of this three-part acronym we're working through of AHA. Today we come to the awakening when we're in the destined country and we just kind of go, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And God gives us the opportunity, the alarm goes off, and we get to wake up. Now, we're talking about alarms today, and so it's no irony that we have Brian doing the post-teach because uh, this is a boy that quite literally all his life, waking him up has been an incredible struggle. I mean, of the three of my children, i got to tell you, having to go into his room and wake him up, uh, you, could, you could light off a, you know, a nuclear detonation. It would not matter. He does not budge. It just doesn't happen. That's fine when it involves physical sleep. But when it involves the sleep of the soul, where we're just, we're in the distant country and we refuse to wake up, 
that's bad news. So we're going to do like we have the other weeks where we have our, our, our video teach and we're kind of continuing in this story of these three prodigals. It's been interesting to hear a number of you talking about kind of progressing through the weeks, wondering where their story is going to lead. And then Brian will come and, and teach us. And the, the unique thing about Brian this morning, it's July 30th. I don't know if you remember, but July 30th, a year ago, he and Riley stood right about here and were officially married. They became man and wife. So you have a a guy speaking to you this morning that has a full year of marriage under his belt. He would be glad to give you any marriage advice you need. He is now an official expert. So feel free afterward to catch him on all your problems. So, okay, here we go. Let's watch our episode of AHA. We've been following... uh three stories in this summer learning experience, and we're in week three of six, where we've been following uh, these people. The, the guy you saw who's in prison tried to get ahead at work and stole from the company and got busted as he's trying to provide everything for his family. Uh, we have another girl, the girl who's sitting in the alley, who had a great job with her dad in, in his diner, and she decided to leave for a better money-making opportunity, or so she thought. And then finally, uh, we have the, the last lady who left her family, left, uh, left her family in search of something that she thought was going to be better. So with that clarification, uh, we can get started. And I didn't move my sheets back. How many of you use an alarm to wake yourself up in the morning? You see hands. Yep. Uh, if I didn't, I would literally never wake up, as my dad has Made very clear, I, mornings are not my thing, so anything that tries to get me moving, I am against it. Throughout the years, I've had a variety of alarms. Uh, I've had one that was a baseball alarm clock. Obviously, I'm a big baseball guy, so uh, it, it actually woke me up to the sound of like the crack of a bat and the roar of a crowd. I love that one. Um, but once I was too cool for that, I moved on to the, your typical deep beeping alarm. You know, that wah, 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 wah. And I got so annoyed with that that I moved on to one that was a little more like, you know, like a twinkle toes beep. And it, it goes beep, 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 beep. And then it keeps getting faster and louder until you finally shut it off. Still another used to come in my room and yell, get your butt out of bed. This is the last time I'm coming in here as he ripped the bed sheets off of me. And again, as he's already pointed out, that was the most effective one. Nowadays, I use this thing. I use my phone. How many of you use your phone as an alarm? Yep, I do, and my wife, who again I've been married to for exactly one year today, does not like that I use my phone as an alarm because I have some songs on here that I've chosen to use as my alarm, and, well, they're songs that I like, and they don't get me moving. So the, the ringtone goes off like 900 times, and she's the one having to crawl over me, kneeing me in the neck to shut it off. And uh, I just want to share a, few of the, uh, share a few of these with you. So the first one is one of my personal favorites. I want to see how many of you can get what this is. We got... Anybody hear that? Anybody know what that is? Yeah, Lord of the Rings, absolutely. Uh, then, we have, then we have this one. Uh, this, I love Lord of the Rings. She's a Harry Potter fan. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. So again, division, it's whatever. It's been our biggest fight. Uh, then, we have, then we have this one, which we both get along with, but not in the morning. Askewawau, Illinois, because we both went to Illinois. She hates this one because, again, there have been mornings where I wake up and I just clap along and then go back to sleep. Um, none of these really work, 
but the one that really gets me, works every single time, is this one. I gotta tell you how many times I have had that as my alarm clock and woke up, woken up in this absolute panic. I ask, like, my, my eyes pop open, I sit up, I'm sweating, like, I, and I ask myself two questions. One, why the heck am I camping in Chernobyl? And two, how many minutes do I have until I'm dead? Not a great way to wake up. But that's something that we call a sudden awakening. You pop up and you're like, oh, where am I? What's going on? As it turns out, the effectiveness of any alarm is a direct correlation to how much you don't want to hear it. This is what happens when God finally gets our attention. He sounds the alarm and we hear it. Read with me in Luke 15. Jesus says a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. You see, this, this man had left his father's home, taken the inheritance from his father, and left and spent it on wild living. And now he's at wit's end. But did, did you catch the beginning of verse 17? The alarm rings for him. It says, when he finally came to his senses, God sent an alarm and he was like, what am I doing? He was in the distant country when he heard this alarm and, and he, he wakes up and he says, what the heck am I still doing here? How have I gotten to this point? How have things gotten so bad? This wasn't the plan, but now I'm so desperate and I, I need to go home. This is an aha moment. Aha is defined as a sudden understanding, recognition, or resolution. In our context, aha is the sudden spiritual understanding, recognition, or resolution. The prodigal son had his aha moment, and as many of us know, spoiler alert to those who don't, he returned to the father with, who had open arms ready to meet him. Last week, John Beaker walked us through four of the lies that we believe that cause us to leave the father for the distant country. First, some of us believe the lie that God is an unreasonable father. How can we be expected to follow all of these rules when we are also dealing with the fear of missing out on what the world has to offer? Second, we believe the lie that God is an unpleasable father. His expectations are so high, we'll never get there. How can I ever live up to that? Nothing I can do will ever be good enough, so I'm, I'm leaving. Third, some still see God as an unmerciful father. The lie here is that God is an angry father who's borderline abusive. He's watching, waiting for me to slip up. And when I do, there will be hell to pay, literally. Finally, many choose to jet for the distant country because they see God as an uncaring father. He wasn't there when I needed him most. So I'm going to leave him too. The good news for us is that we can confidently know that these are lies. The bad news is that even though we know they're lies, we still find ourselves believing them time and time and time again. Even when God sounds the alarm to wake us up, we don't flinch. Instead of a sudden awakening, there's a continued denial. As Kyle Ottoman notes in the video, denial is an unconscious defense mechanism used to reduce anxiety by denying thoughts, 
feelings or facts that are consciously intolerable. Layman's terms, denial occurs when we block, ignore, or work around truth that makes us feel uncomfortable. We become so accustomed to the ways of our distant land that we simply sit back and act like everything's okay or, or like it's going to be okay soon, even though the writing is on the wall. We have the truth right in front of us. We have the answers. God sounded the alarm for the prodigal son several times, and he chose to sleep through it by hitting the snooze button. See, the first alarm came when God, or when, when the prodigal son came to collect his inheritance. He basically said, Dad, I can't wait for you to die to get your money, so give it to me now. Uh, he should have woken up then, but he didn't. He hit the snooze button and went on his way. Alarm number two, he went broke. He had nothing. Snooze. Alarm three, famine hits. Now he's got absolutely nothing left. Still, hits snooze. Alarm four, he becomes a pig sitter, essentially. And he starts to look at the food that the pigs are eating as something that he finds desirable. Snooze button. It's at this point that the prodigal son is at his lowest point. He's completely broken. And then, aha, I need to wake up. I need to go home. You don't have to hit rock bottom before you have your aha moment. But you must be willing to listen for the alarm. Waking up in the distant country is tougher than crawling out, of, out, or out from underneath your sheets on a cold winter morning. It's nice and comfortable in our distant country, and at least for now. God's alarm comes in a variety of tones. And we're going to look at four of them today. The first one, God gives us his word at just the right time. The story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4 gives us the first specific timely alarm that God offers in the Bible. See, Cain and Abel are told by God to bring their first fruits, or their best stuff, as offerings to God. Abel does. Cain does not. He gives them the second-rate stuff. So as a result, God is pleased with Abel and not with Cain. This ticks Cain off a little bit. He starts to pout. And in verses 6 and 7 of Genesis chapter 4, God asks Cain, Why are you so angry? Why do you look dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Did you catch that? God literally says, Cain, watch out. Sin is there. It's at your door. You need to become its master. You guys remember the story of the three little pigs? I had a cassette tape of this, and the, whoever did the narration had me absolutely horrified of the big bad wolf. Like, that was my number one. Like, you know, I wasn't afraid of the dark. I wasn't afraid of a lot. But, like, the big bad wolf, I thought he was coming for me. All right? Uh, imagine if the two lazy pigs had been told, watch out. There's a big bad wolf coming to blow down your house and put you on a skewer and eat you. You'd hope that they would believe that and listen to the alarm and follow through by building their house out of the bricks instead of sticks and straw, right? Cain doesn't do that. He ends up allowing sin to enter, and he kills his brother in a fit of jealous rage. Although God gives us his word at just the right time, it's still up to us to listen and wake up. Next, God actually uses the words of others in our lives as an alarm. Tonight at Revive, we're hosting a murder mystery dinner. And anybody's invited, high schoolers. But uh, it's 80s themed, which means there's going to be a lot of big hair, 
a lot of high waist pants, overdone makeup, fluorescent workout clothes, and maybe even a Canadian tuxedo or two. I know this because I was there in the 80s to see it. Oh, yes, my 19 days in the 80s. Boy, were they wild. All I did was eat, cry, sleep, and puke on whoever was closest to me. Where the heck am I going with this? If I tried dressing like I was living in the 80s every day, uh, one, I probably wouldn't make it to year two, because Riley would have a fit. (laughs) She wouldn't let me leave the apartment, and if she did, she would not be standing by my side. She'd tell me that it's not a good look. She's done that several times with my 2010s clothes already. In fact, if she was here today, she would probably tell me that This shirt was a really dumb decision. I know that some of you have not heard a word I said yet because you're trying to figure out what this is. No, as some people have pointed out, it is not a dog with udders. Uh, No, it is not a dog with a crown underneath it. Uh, No, this dog is not sitting on top of an invisible castle. This is actually from my favorite movie. It's The Sandlot. So you got the beast with the the ball in his mouth and then the nine Sandlot guys. So again... Now that that's clear, I'm glad uh, we, can, we can get back to it. <laughs> Again, if she was there this morning, she'd be like, Brian, don't wear that. <laughs> You're going to look like an idiot. And here I am. <laughs> Sometimes we need the words of others to wake us up. Sometimes we need the words of others to wake us up. Eidelman puts it this way, a good friend will sound the alarm. They don't necessarily want to share it, And you don't necessarily want to hear it. But sometimes God knows that's the only way that you're going to wake up. So if a co-worker is telling you to stop neglecting your family for the sake of your job, listen and wake up. If a close friend knows your spending habits and tells you the hard truth that you might need to cut up a credit card or two, listen and wake up. If your spouse challenges you to do something more than come to church once a month, listen and wake up. If a friend is willing to ask difficult questions about a relationship that you've just entered into because they can see the potential harm there is in that relationship, listen and wake up. God uses the words of others in our lives to sound the alarm. Third, God allows us to sample future consequences. This next little piece is going to be fun, especially for students. So again, uh, if you haven't found your parents, make sure you do in this room. Uh, and parents, get ready to stand up. If you're a parent, uh, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, whatever you are, if you have someone younger in, a fam- in your family, in your life, I'm going to need your help with this next part. If you have ever allowed your child, niece, nephew, grandson, granddaughter, whoever, to do something that you know full well is going to hurt them so that they learn a bigger picture, I need you to stand up with me. An example of this would be letting your son or daughter or whoever touch a hot pot so that they learn, ouch, hot, I'm not going to touch the stove anymore. Maybe, just maybe, you've watched as they took the fork over to the outlet. (laughs) Yes, kids look around. This is why you're screwed up. No, thank you for being honest. You guys can have a seat. Sometimes God lets us touch the stove so that we, or so that he can say, you're not going to do that again, will you? When we were at Omega, the first speaker gave a really cool story and actually fits perfectly here. So he, he was telling a story about um, this, this guy who 
was kind of an outcast, even in his friend group. He was the one who was picked on, the one who didn't really, I mean, he wasn't athletic, he wasn't all that funny, so he just kind of sat on the outside and watched. So he wanted to be a more productive member of his friend group, so he decided that he's going to be the party trick guy. And his party trick was going to be holding his finger over a flame without flinching. Like, you get as close to the flame as possible, and it didn't burn him. So what he does is he starts practicing this party trick. The first time that he does it, he puts his hand over the flame, and and he can only hold it there for like a half second before he's burned. The next night, he does it again, and he, he does this each night. He has a candle by his bedside, and he reaches his finger over the flame until he's got a callus strong enough to where he can literally hold his finger in the flame and nothing happens. Uh, he, he shows this to his friends and they're not impressed. So he decides, I'm going to do my whole hand. So he starts this process all over again. Ah, a little longer, a little longer, before he can finally hold his hand over the flame. He decides to go big and he decides to do his entire body. So he's, he's, starting to, he's starting to put his arms over the flame and all this. And again, he's numbing himself to the pain of the flame. Well, one night, as he's putting his arm over, he, he falls asleep and he knocks the candle over. His house lights on fire. He doesn't wake up and he dies. Because he had numbed himself to the pain. God allows us to sample future consequences so that we'll wake up when we're in the fire and head to safety. Finally, God gives us an example of others before us. When Moses and Aaron began the process of leading the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, there was a specific pattern of events. God sends Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. He sounds the alarm by saying, Let my people go. Pharaoh hits the snooze button. And then something bad happens. First came the plague of the blood. Then came the frogs. After that, the gnats, the flies, dead livestock, um, festering boils, hail, and then locusts. Now there's two more after that, but we're going to stop with the the locusts real quick. Exodus chapter 10 uh, begins with the warning about the locusts. Read with me. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have made him and his officials stubborn so I can display my miraculous signs among them. I have also done it so you can tell your children and your grandchildren about how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and about the signs I displayed among them. And so you will know I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, watch out. For tomorrow I will bring a swarm of locusts to your country. They will cover the land so that you won't be able to see the ground. They will devour what little is left of your crops after the hailstorm, including the tall trees growing in the fields. They will overrun your palaces and the homes of your officials and all of the houses in Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt have your ancestors seen a plague quite like this one. And with that, Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials now came to Pharaoh and appealed to him. How long will you let this man hold us hostage? Let the men go worship the Lord their God. Don't you realize that Egypt lies in ruins? Just as Pharaoh's about to comply, changes his mind, says, nope, I'm not going to let you do it the way you want, so, so you can't do it. 
it was on that day that God created the face palm. Because time after time after time, he's told Pharaoh what's going on. And Pharaoh just continues to ignore. He continues to hit the snooze button. We see in verse 12, Then, Lord, then the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the land of Egypt to bring on the locusts. and Let them cover the land and devour every plant that survived the hailstorm. Following that was the plague of three days of darkness, followed by the ultimate death of the firstborn son. Several times throughout this process, Pharaoh calls Moses in. Like after a plague happens, he says, Guys, I blew it. Pray for me. And it looks like he's going to change, and then he doesn't. So he, then he calls him back in again and says, uh, Fellas, I really dropped the ball on this one. If uh, you'd forgive me, let's fix this thing. And he goes right back to his thing. Each time he does this, he almost immediately follows it up by stubbornly returning to his old ways. Even with Pharaoh's example, we continue to do the same stuff. We repeat the same patterns over and over again. Some of you in this room are hearing what God is saying to you today, but you're not listening. We can hear things and choose not to listen to them, like foul-mouthed sports fans, Ikea instructions, or a list of items to pick up at the grocery store. I don't know where your distant country is. I don't know how long you've been there. I don't know how comfortable you think you are there. I don't know how many times you've heard an alarm and rolled over and hit the snooze button. What I do know is this. God is sounding an alarm somewhere, somehow in your life, and it's on you to start listening. Could be that he's giving you his word in just the right time. Could be that you have somebody in your life trying to tell you a hard truth, and you're just not listening. Maybe you're literally sampling a future consequence. God's given us examples of how this plays out. He's given us the pattern. It's all right here. We continue to ignore his alarm. My challenge for you today is this. Listen for the alarm. When you hear it, wake up. Pray with me. God, we are imperfect. And we've been separated from you by sin. But when we, when we realize that, when we wake up at the end of our road, and we know that we have to come back to you God, that it's not an easy thing to admit. It's not an easy thing to do. I pray that as you send alarms our way, we wouldn't be a church, we wouldn't be a big C church of people who choose to ignore your alarm. I pray that we would wake up. We would have this sudden awakening as to where we're going wrong so that we can turn around, take some action, and change it. God, help us to hear your alarm. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Great job. Our servers are coming right now to receive the offering. And while they do, Brian's going to explain why we have boxes of uncooked spaghetti sitting up here. Yes. Please let us know. We're dying to know. I'm Vanna now. So uh, we have uncooked spaghetti, and it needs to be cooked. So we have some boxes up here. If, if uh, Again, we have our murder mystery dinner tonight. We're going to have a spaghetti dinner with that. If you would like to help us out by cooking some spaghetti... You can grab a box from up here if you'd like to grab some from the store and bring it here by 5 p.m. tonight. That would be a huge help for us. It doesn't need to be hot. We can, we can heat it up. Uh, but again, that would be a huge help for us. If you want to bring like a dessert or anything like that, just let me know. Again, 
uh, just a really cool way to, for you to help us out. Um, but don't worry, if you don't do it, you know, we'll, we'll survive. All right, um, we're not going to be eating pig slop. But again, this murder mystery dinner, you did not have to RSVP to come. So if, like, if you're a high schooler sitting here thinking, like, oh, that'd be kind of fun, please come tonight uh, between 4.45 and 5 so we can get you set up with the night, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I understand the murder mystery part. I, I still am not quite getting the 80s theme. I mean, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, we would dress, we'd have our 50s or 60s night, and those were funny, but I remember living in the 80s and going, nobody will ever want to imitate this. This is just too normal and boring. The, the, theme, so is, the theme is a 30-year high school reunion, so ah, like, for those of you who graduated in the 80s. Wait, that's 30 years 30. ago already? <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. Oh my. Whew. Okay. Let's close in prayer. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, let's do other things. So, um, Dave Morey and Bob Coyne are entering into an adventure again this year, something that we did last year that's really cool. There are many different ways of doing outreach and evangelism, uh, differing in intensity, that is. One is to just outright talk to somebody, boom, here are the four spiritual laws or whatever, have that kind of discussion. The others are far more subtle, just, you know, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, making sure that you have a good name and that your church has a good name. And one of the ways that um, we're trying to get a good name as a church is doing things in and for our community that make a difference in the lives of others that don't necessarily have a direct benefit or impact on us. So um, later this fall, there's a, there's a 5K called the Forte 5K, and it's to raise funds for uh, Shanahan, Shanahan Music Programs. And we're indebted to the Shanahan schools. They let us live in their house for seven years while we were transferring from our old building to our new building. And so uh, there's going to be a 5K for that. Now, generally, if you're going to do a 5K, it's a good idea to train for that. I know some of you like to just go out there and hit it right away, but if you're like me and you do that, you'll do four steps and we'll be having a funeral. So you got to train for that. And you can do a couch to 5K. I personally prefer uh, couch to refrigerator, but you know, you can, you can do this. Um, in, order to, in order to get through that program, we got to start August 12th. So you can talk to Bob right after the service. He's back at the Word, so he'll be back by that media door. So if you want to know more about that, go do that. If you're deadly afraid of running, you may not be aware that we have a door up here and you can leave through that. And, so anyway, just an opportunity for you. We're going to watch uh, our two-minute clip here at the end, just reviewing what we've talked about today, and then we'll come back and close. The son in Luke 15 eventually reaches a point where he wakes up, and he has this sudden awakening. Will you keep praying for my angelita? Every day, I will pray for her. And so we've learned that the beginning of AHA is described as a moment when you come to your senses. And I guess I'm wondering if there's an area of your life where you need that kind of awakening. I don't know what it is for you, but when will you recognize maybe that your yelling and screaming is just destroying the heart of your child? When will you recognize that you are sacrificing your marriage for your career? When will you see that it's actually not your spouse, it is your own arrogance and pride. When will you recognize how selfish you've been while so many people around you are in need? I know it's hard to see it in ourselves. We just want to hit the snooze button and go back to sleep. But may God wake us up.
The wake-up for us, I think, a lot of times comes in the form of two questions. What am I doing? What am I doing here? And I'm hopeful that sometime during this week, you'll have that moment maybe where God will give you that nudge that you say, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And that you'll continue to return as we work our way through this because when you have that realization, it's time to turn to some honesty. So as we close, uh, one other thing to, to bring to your attention, I, I've thought a lot about, um, do you ever think about movie titles for seasons in your life? I've, I've, I've been thinking about different movie titles and, and the movie title for this summer around Shanahan would be Escape from Madagascar. As we have family after family that is relocating either north or south or west. And today's the last day Jeff and Carrie Kristoff and Graham and Shelby will be with us. Uh, They're headed to North Carolina. So um, I'm trying to be cheerful and bold and all that in the face of these and say, this is the reality of living here. This is the way it works. But um, the Kristoffs being gone leaves an absolutely huge hole in our hearts. Uh, They've been here for as long as I can remember. And their kids, this is the only church they've known. I mean, it's just, it, it, it hurts and it's sad to see someone leave who has been so uh, integral, a part of the life of our church family. Having said that, I love the idea that they're going to take everything they are somewhere else and that seed is going to be planted and new lives are going to be touched and there's going to be growth in them. So would you continue to think of them and pray for them as they make this transition? Transitions are an adventure, and a lot of times with that adventure uh, comes some unexpecteds. Uh, North Carolina is not the distant country of the, vi- of the video, so don't worry. Uh, don't, don't get any ideas like that. This is, a, this is a good thing that they need to do, but one that's hard for us. So let's stand and pray, and we're going to pray for the Christophs as we leave today. Father God in heaven, um, I am grateful that you give us uh, not just a place to come and sing and listen and go home, but you give us a a home and a family in your family. And you give us brothers and sisters in your family. And I am thankful for the brother and the sister that Jeff and Carrie have been to us. And I'm grateful for their children. I'm grateful for the influence that they've had through the years on this family. And I'm grateful for the influence that this family has had on them. Lord, I pray for them as they, as they set out on this new uh, leg of their journey, this adventure, that it would be one full of great surprises, one in which they would see time and time again your true hand on them. I pray that as, as jobs unfold and churches found and all those sorts of things, that um, in every possible way you will be glorified through their life. So. Uh, we, we hold them, we hold them before you today, and we will continue to do that. God, I'm, I'm, grateful, I'm grateful that when someone leaves, it hurts, because it means they truly made a difference. And I'm grateful today for the difference they've made in us. Now, God, as we walk through this week, give us those moments of asking, what am I doing? What am I doing here now? Wake us up, we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Rather than just a simple teardown of chairs today, there's some tables set up to do for the, for the dinner. So Brian will direct you if you're helping with that. Otherwise, we'll see you. Have a great day.
long time since you felt peace in the valley.